So if you have your Bibles, let's open to Matthew 6. Open to Matthew 6. Sorry that our computer has had a ghost in the machine this morning uh, that we were trying to. And it, it always happens right before you sing a psalm which you know no one has the words to. Uh, and so uh, it's like, hurry, computer, reboot. Gideon walked up and said, the computer is frozen and I do not know what to do. Uh, and I was like, just curse it and let it die. Um, but anyway, we got, it, we got her up. I mean, like split. Did you, could you, did you know, Zachary, that it came up like split seconds before you started singing, which was, was great. It, it never, it, I'll tell you this, it never reboots that fast. So... The Lord drove out that ghost and put in a good one, I guess. Anyway, all right, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, last week, as we were uh, celebrating, you know, the resurrection of Christ, as, well, as we do every week and as we should do really every, every day, uh, we noted that one thing we should recognize in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, that in those events, Christ was delivering us from evil, that that was the intention behind those events, that Christ took on flesh why? He took on flesh to die, but why did he die? In order to destroy, that is, to uh, make powerless the devil uh, and to deliver us, the, his, his sons, his brothers, his, his seed, uh, the, the children of Abraham, to deliver us. So there is, there is a destruction of evil and a deliverance in, in that. We saw that in Hebrews 2. So that Jesus, in, in, in that sense, and Jesus answering this Lord's prayer, He's answering the Lord's prayer, of course, before we ever pray it, right? He's already answering this, deliver us from evil. And really, as, as you look at these events, before the disciples even prayed that prayer, before, before Jesus even taught them to pray that prayer, he was already answering that prayer. He took on flesh to answer that prayer that it would be decades before he even taught his people to pray and ask for, which should give us great confidence uh, when we pray. And God continues, he continues to deliver us from evil. Even, even after the events of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, even after those events, as he equips us in his word to, to fight the evil that continues to come against us, the battles that the evil one continues to bring to us, the Lord continues to deliver us from evil. So let's go back to that request, deliver us from evil. Let's see how exactly God's doing that very thing. The tools he gives us to be delivered from these battles against evil uh, that we will face. So uh, let's stand in the honor of reading God's word. We'll start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We'll read the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and then we'll jump, we'll jump right into uh, some more stuff. And I'll probably move some of this to next week, just, uh, just for, for time's sake. Beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And all the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. All right, you may be seated. So when it comes when it comes to being delivered from from evil, what what have we seen? What what guides us when it comes to spiritual warfare? We, we've seen a few things, and now we're looking at how to deal with the particular battles. Uh, and and we've seen everything from don't give the devil an opening, resist the devil, flee from his traps. If you've gotten in a trap, get out of it. Uh, get to work. 
and then don't quit. That's where we ended last time. So we just looked at some of the mental, some of the physical things of it. Well, well, that's not the end. In fact, that's not even the end in some of the passages that we've looked at. So there's still, there's still some stuff left to do that the Lord teaches us, some things that the Lord lays out for us to do in our spiritual warfare, to do in our spiritual battles. Today, we're going to sort of some final steps as we're getting really close to the end of delivering us from evil. Some final steps that the Bible lays out. This is how you combat evil in your life. This is how you combat the evil one when he brings battles against you. Uh, and so today, what we're going to look at is stand and fight. Two last things, stand and fight. You've got all this you know, mentally, you know, physically what you should do. Now, after all that, you're, 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 wo- you're woken up, you're sobered up, you're armored up. Uh, you're doing all these things all the way. What do you do? Well, you stand and you fight. To see this, see this, turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. All right, so here you've got God telling us, telling us to be strong, put on all the armor of God so that you can stand. Why put on all the armor? Because we're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting the demonic realm. But then again, what does God say after that? God doesn't say, put on this armor you're fighting the demonic realm, but hey, you've got no hope. Sorry, this is all just sort of like armor pantomime. Just put on the armor, but really, you can't, you can't do anything. He tells us, armor up and stand. Armor up and stand. So when we put on the armor of God, we are going, that doing that is what's going to enable us to stand against the devil's schemes. And remember that word, stand against, is the, is the combination of the word stand and toward. So you can stand facing the enemy. You put on the armor of God, and you're not just standing. You can stand facing the enemy. And then what does it do in verse 13? Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in that day, and having done all to stand firm. Put on the armor, and you can stand. You can stand facing the enemy. You can withstand him. Remember, that's the word stand against, and you can stand firm, rooted, fixed, even against what he said we're wrestling is he's even again he's already told us he we already know we're not wrestling flesh and blood he's not gonna he's not gonna juke us at the end and be like and you can even do that against the demonic he says look you are facing these demonic entities these powers it's a spiritual battle but if you put on my armor like i've told you to do you armor up you sober up you do those things what can you then do you can stand you stand facing him you stand against him and you stand firm. Firm in your faith. When you put on the armor, like we've seen already, we've been called to do, then we're able to stand facing our enemy. Even though our enemy, he's just said, even though our enemy is the evil one himself, we can stand facing what the evil one is trying to bring against us. Because we've put on his armor. We don't put on the armor and run. 
We don't put on the armor and then cower in fear. We put on the armor and we stand. We stand and we face our enemy. And we stand against whatever he is trying to do or bring in our life. But after God has laid out all of these ways to think about the battle, all these ways to recognize who you're fighting. This is how I want you to think about that. Not just the war. This is how I want you to think about the battle. This is what I want you to do. Now what do you do? You're armored up. You're ready to go. Now stand. Stand against him. Face the problem and stand firm. And you'll be able to. Because you've put on this armor. And that's the question. How in the world can you and I see? I mean, we've just read, how in the world is it possible that you and I are actually able to stand against the attacks of the evil one? How is it that we can know that? How is it that you and I can stand? The, re- the, the reason we can stand is the same reason anybody can stand in the face of a great enemy. It's because you've got confidence. It's because you've got surety. You know what's coming and you know who's with you. There's confidence in the fight. And if you don't have confidence, what do you do? You run. If you don't have confidence, you don't stand facing the enemy. If you have confidence, if you don't have confidence, the only thing the enemy sees is your back as you flee. The question is, what is our confidence in? I mean, we all know the story of the sons of Sceva, right? In in Acts chapter 19. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exodus. And that's what we think. We say, hey, stand, stand against the scheme. They were like, hey, but we all know what happened to the sons of Sceva, right? Is that what we're talking about here? You got the itinerant Jewish exorcist trying to invoke the name of, of Jesus over evil spirits. And they'd say, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And that's what we're afraid is going to happen. We're afraid that we're going to have all this, we're going to armor up, and we're going to be like, let's go, and we're going to stand, and we're like, oh, yeah, temptation, uh, and the evil spirit's going to go, uh, Jesus, I know, <laughs> but who are you? And we're just going to crumble, right? Because that's what, that, and not even just crumble, like the sons of Sceva, and the, the man who was in the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, overpowered them, so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded, right? Uh, adding... Injury to insult. So how can we stand facing our enemy? How can we stand against the evil one himself and his evil minions? How can the Bible tell us to stand? Well, it's what our confidence is. So what is our confidence? If our confidence isn't in us, we're not being like these itinerant preachers. What do we do here? Let's look at where our confidence comes from in this passage. Our confidence not just to stand up, but to stand against the enemy, to to face the enemy that hates us to go face to face with him as he brings temptation into our life, as he, as he brings trials, as he brings, as, as he brings evil to us. How is God delivering us from that? By giving us this armor and enabling us to stand? What is our confidence? First, our confidence is in the Lord. Okay? Our primary confidence is in the Lord. And that's how Ephesians 6.10 starts. Look at verse 10. Look at how this passage begins. It says what? Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So our confidence is rooted not in our strength, but in God's. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So that's where it's coming. Our confidence isn't in us. We are standing because God is our strength. And because God is our strength, because we are strong in him, 
and our strength is in his might, then we can stand. We, we actually see something similar in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. You can add this to the God is guarding you verses. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. How are we able to stand? Why is Paul confident that these Thessalonians will stand? Not because of their faithfulness, but because of God's faithfulness at work in them. He says, I know that you will stand because God will cause you to stand. He will establish you. In fact, he says he's already done that and is already doing that and will continue to do that. So I'm very confident. I know you can stand against the evil one. Verse 3, why? Because I'm confident in the strength of God in you. I'm confident that God is at work in you and he will cause you to stand. He's already caused you to stand. He will continue to cause you to stand. Listen to John's confidence in our fight against Satan's temptations in 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. 1 John 5, 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. It would give you great confidence in a fight if you knew that the other person couldn't touch you. Like if you went to a fight and said, okay, you're going to fight this guy. Now here's the deal. He cannot touch you. You would probably be pretty confident, like Muhammad Ali level confident here. Uh, you'd go out there, you know, you'd be like, well, put on some ring music then and let's, let's, let's let that thing go. Uh, and that's exactly what John says here. The evil one cannot touch you. But we've already seen that. We've, we already know that's true. We already saw this in Ephesians 6, right? What did Ephesians 6 tell us down in verse 16? With the armor of God. In all circumstances, what? Take up the what? The shield of faith. What, what about the shield of faith? Which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Not even flaming darts. Not even you can extinguish flaming darts of the evil one. You can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one with the shield of faith. You have the shield of faith and you can extinguish all of it. You take up the shield, there's not an arrow that the evil one himself will fling at you that can hit you. He cannot touch you when you're armored up. He cannot. You can extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one on that shield of faith. So have confidence in the Lord and in his power, confidence that he cannot touch you, confidence that the Lord is guarding you, and confidence in your father because you know they're afraid of him. You know the bad guys are afraid of your father. James chapter 2 verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. A lot of times we read that and say, like, oh, you believe in God, big deal, the demons believe. But notice the end of that passage as well. The demons believe and do what? Tremble. The God whose armor you're taking up, the God who is protecting you, the God that is guarding you, they know him. They believe in him and they tremble. That's whose armor you're putting on. That's whose armor, that's whose strength you're in. In fact, the, the evil ones even know what is coming. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, Behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? 
Have you come here to torment us before the time? So when Christ comes, they know exactly what Christ can do. They know exactly what he's going to be able to do. In fact, Christ has always had power that far surpasses there. So Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And demons also came out of many crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak. Because they knew that he was the Christ. When we saw in 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, it says that he, the one who was born of God, is the one who protects us. So that they cannot even touch us. Touch us. They can't even speak if he does not want them to. Touch you, hurt you, defeat you. They can't even speak without his permission. When thinking about our battles against the evil one, and not just the evil one, but against his, his minions... It could be intimidating. But what does the Bible promise us when it seems like our enemy is so great? What does John say in 1 John chapter 4? Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Have confidence in, in the Lord because what? In the Lord, you've already won. Because the one in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The evil ones that you're going against in the world, you're going against their minions. Hey, don't worry. The one who's in you is greater than the one who's in them. You have no reason to fear the evil ones bringing their evil. You have no reason to fear what this world might do to you or might try to do as if they have any authority. Because just, just, as, just as every person ever on earth trying to attack the Lord and His kingdom, there's nothing they can do unless it has been granted them by the Father. Nothing they can do to you. Have confidence because of who is on your side. The Father is guarding you. Christ is protecting you. Your team is larger and more powerful. Your team is more powerful. We already know that. We already know our team is more powerful because we've got, we've got God. We've got Yahweh. We've got the Son. But it's also larger. I mean, just think about, just think about you know, not only is, is he greater, but so also is your team, quite literally. I mean, we've got a two-to-one advantage here. So not only do you have the more powerful guys on our side, we've got more on it. Let's say, for example, that, that what did happen in the fall was that a third of the angelic realm fell. A third. What does that mean still remains? Two-thirds. You have a two-to-one advantage. The things that he says are guarding you, you have a two-to-one advantage over the de- angels to demons. So when you think about a third of the angels falling, that means that two-thirds are still there, still ministering to the Father and still ministering to you. For, in other words, for every bad dragon there is out there, there's two good ones. Two good ones guarding you. For every bad dragon out there hunting you, there are two good ones guarding you. We can stand because we have confidence in our God. We have faith in God's power. We have faith in God's faithfulness. He can and He will. We have faith in God's power. He can. We have faith in God's faithfulness. He will. We have faith in God's power. He's in control. We have faith in God's faithfulness. He is good. Those things enable us to do what? Those things enable you to stand against the devil himself. Because your strength is in your God. So we don't run, we don't hide, we stand, and we face the evil one. 
But God doesn't just sort of storehouse his strength. We're not just uh, being beaten, but then we remember God's strength. God's strength is given to us. And not just metaphorically, it's given to us quite literally in God's armor. We have confidence in God and we have confidence in the armor he has given us. So we have confidence in the strength of our God, who's promising to guard us, promising to protect us, who has angelic hosts, they're to minister to us, they're to, to watch over us, and we have confidence in the armor that God has given us for this purpose. He has given us this armor so that we will stand. So you have confidence in God, we've got confidence in the armor. In fact, when we look at our standing here in these verses, so look back through 10 through 13 of Ephesians 6, our standing is always related, not just to that, that God is our strength, but that our strong God has given us something. Specifically, his armor. That we have put on the armor of God. So he talks about this strength, he says, therefore, because your God is strong, Put on the armor that he gave you and stand. So finally, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Now, it would be very easy not to include the armor of God part. It would be very easy to say, be strong in the Lord, the strength of his might, and stand because you know your God is strong. Stand because you know you're in the strength of his might. He says, no, no, no. Put Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Against the schemes of you're going to have verse 13. Therefore, take up the armor of God that you may be able to withstand in all the evil day. And having done all this to stand firm. Why do we have confidence in our armor? Well, one, because we know whose armor it is. This is God's armor. It's God's armor. And then this is in verse 11 and verse 13. Makes it clear. He's not just giving you armor. It's giving you the armor of God. One thing that's often lost on us when we're, when we're reading this passage is because we're very New Testament centric. It just naturally is easier to read, you know, uh, Ephesians than it is Obadiah. One thing we often lose is that when we get to this armor of God in this passage here in Ephesians 6, Paul's not introducing some new idea. Paul's not creating some new metaphor for the Christian life and what God has given us. And, oh, I I know, uh, the the Holy Spirit's inspiring me to talk about this armor that he's given his people. In fact, Paul, when he's doing it, he's actually quoting Scripture when he's doing it. He's referencing back to Scripture. Paul's already mentioned this before. He's mentioned this uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 8. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. He's mentioned this before. He's mentioned it not just here. He's going to mention it in, in Thessalonians, but, but even further back. Paul goes back 700 years, 700 years before we ever get the book of Ephesians. In the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59. Listen to what it says. Verse 17. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. I think it's funny when people try to describe to you what the armor of God is. And they're like, well, the breastplate of righteousness is this, and the helmet of salvation is that. And they don't reference back. to. And some of them wouldn't make sense if you applied those same things uh, back to Isaiah 59. Uh, But when Paul is talking about his armor with righteousness as a breastplate and, and, and salvation as a helmet. He's just quoting armor already detailed before by Isaiah. 
He's quoting armor that the Bible has already talked about. But what's amazing isn't, isn't that we've just seen this armor before. What's amazing is who wore the armor before. Go back to Isaiah 59 and go to verse 14. Justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away. Truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. See, in Isaiah 59, uh, Isaiah is talking about America in 2020. Uh, so very prescient. It's very prescient. It never happened until this time. Uh, so justice turned back. Righteousness stands far away. Truth is stumbled in public squares. Uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. That was Israel, right? The Lord saw it and it displeased him. That there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. So this this is not just the armor of God. This is God's armor. The armor he puts on when he comes to defeat injustice and unrighteousness, when truth is under attack and uprightness is gone, the Lord sees those things and that's the armor he puts on. This is his armor, which means that when it comes to our warfare, why can we have confidence? Because our father comes to us with a gift. He says, you are not battling flesh and blood. You're you're, you're battling these spiritual things, these rulers, these authorities. But I've got something for you. I've got a gift. And the gift, he promises to protect us. And then what? And then he hands us something. He hands us his own armor. The very armor he puts on to defeat evil and deliver his people is the armor he gives to his sons and daughters. The armor he gives to you. So when we say, when we say to you, armor up, you can have confidence. Not just because you have armor, but because what the armor of God is, what that armor is, it's the armor of your father. And it's been destroying and delivering from evil since the beginning. And that's the armor he tells you, put this on. He says, breastplate of righteousness. And if you know anything about the word of God, you go, wait, wait, but the breastplate of righteousness is what you wore. He goes, yes. Put on a helmet of salvation. But the helmet of salvation, isn't that that what Isaiah said that the Lord was wearing when he was going out to defeat evil? Yes. So what is he equipping you with to defeat evil? What is he armoring up you with? His own armor. He's not telling you to craft your own armor. He's not telling you to build your own intelligence. He's not telling you to grow your own faith so that you can protect yourself. He says, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to guard you. Let me give you my armor. You think the devil can get through that? He hasn't been able to get through that since the beginning. And in fact, when the devil sees this armor, he doesn't think about getting into it. He thinks about getting away from it. So put on your father's armor, Christian. Put on your father's armor and stand against the devil. 
Stand against the evil one. Stand against the temptation that comes your way. Put on the armor and don't just think, I've got the armor, I can close my eyes now, pull down the visor and get in this corner and Satan can't touch me because I've got the armor on. You put on the armor and you stand. And you face your temptation. You face the struggles that he brings you away. You face the evil that he brings into your life. You do not run, you do not hide, you stand. You face it, you stand against it, and you stand firm. Because you have confidence. You have confidence in your God. You have confidence in what he's given you. So put on your father's armor. Stand. Stand against the sin that comes against you. So what can we do with this? Let's talk about a few things we can do here. One, Christian, stand and face your sin. Stand, when we talk about evil is coming against you, I don't want you to think about some sort of maybe late at night and be wandering, some demonic entity is going to come to me and, you know, in the dark and we're going to, which will probably be in the church at night because that's the scariest place in the world, right? Uh, it's not talking about that and that's what you got to armor up for. Fight against, stand and face your sin. Look at your sin. Look at, look at what the devil is bringing your way, what he's trying to cause you to do, what he has even caused you to do. You stand and you face the evil that he's bringing against you. And for some of you, that just means admitting your sin. Stand and look at it and say, this is sin that comes from the evil one. That's the first step. If you're going to stand, if you're going to stand and face the enemy, you've got to stand and admit the enemy is where he's at. Some of you are standing and you've got sin back here and you know it and you're willing to fight all these other battles over here. You're willing to face all this and you start to turn and you catch that issue out of your periphery and you're like, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about being a good father or being a good church member, but you're a horrible husband. You're not the godly husband you need to be and you know it. But you just kind of, let's go back to these other things. Look, stand and face your sin and fight it. If you're going to stand, you got to stand against it. That means you got to stand and you got to face it. Stand face to face with your sin. Admit your sin. Run from the snares. Sure, run from the snares. Of course you do. But admit why the snares are snares. Admit that this snare is a snare because you've got this over here that you are not dealing with. You're not looking at your enemy. You're not looking at the battle he's bringing against you. You're looking at all the other battles he's not bringing at you and thinking, look, I'm winning, I'm winning, I'm winning because I'm winning in, let's say, 99% of life. But the enemy is setting all these snares back here because you refuse to face him. You refuse to face the evil that he has brought to you based on your past or your present or your predicted future. I don't care. But you're struggling with the sin. You're giving into it. And you've got to face it. If you want to stand against the evil, first thing you've got to stand and face the evil. Admit your sin. To flee from the snares, the best thing to do is see the one who's setting the snares. If you're closing your eyes to him and what he's doing in your life, he can set all the snares in the world and you won't look that way till you step in them. You want to avoid the snares? Look your problem in the face. Admit that it's a problem. Stand and face your sin. But don't just stand and face your sin. Stand against your sin. Some of us, we recognize our sin. That's a good first step. We look at our sin and we go, that's something I'm really struggling with. Not right there. You're standing and you're facing it, but you're not standing against it. You're standing and you're looking at it you're going, man, I'll just be, let's just be honest. Isn't it good to be honest? We just want to be honest with each other. And all we end up doing is honestly admitting we're not doing anything about our sin. 
right? Which is not good honesty. If, if you're going to be open with each other and just admit all the ways you're not dealing with your sin, that's not helpful for other people. You know why? Because that's going to cause them to go, ha, I'm not dealing with my sin either. Just like she's not. Aren't we great sisters? Uh, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Stand, face your sin and deal with your sin. Stand against it. Again, don't just recognize you've got the sin. Don't just lament, don't just lament the mistake and be like, oh, shucks. Don't just realize that something is a problem. Stand against the problem. Which means seek to change. Do something. Sometimes what happens is we've seen this problem. It's been a problem our whole life or it's been a problem. or We feel like we tried to address it for a little bit and we failed at it. So now we've just failed at this problem. And we're always going to fail at this for the rest of our life. And the enemy's working this into us. And we messed up here, you know, a decade back or two decades. And now we're just dealing with the consequences. And there's no way to get off it. Like, do something. Stand against the enemy's schemes in some way. I'm not saying you've got to deal with it all right now, all the way. You may be thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this hole because I've been digging this sin pit for a while and I don't know how to get out of it. Well, one thing you can do is stand against it in some way, some little step. Do something to stand against it. I mean, if you're in a fight and you're going, you know, you don't say, okay, I've got this guy, he's coming at me. I will only swing when I know how every swing is going to connect and he's going to be unconscious, right? I'm not going to fight until I know, let's see, okay, so he's probably going to do like some sort of, you know, those action movies where the person knows exactly what's going to happen and then they like do it, and the guy dies. That's, that, that's not how you've got to deal with your sin. Fight it somehow. Stand against it, even in a little thing, even in little steps. If you can't go all the way to fixing the problem, fine, but at least take a step. Because what happens is the Lord, the, not the Lord, but, the Lord of Darkness. Uh, Satan can can make us can make us think you'll never be able to get out of this hole. I said all these snares. You got snares all over your body, man. You've got you stepped into a snare twenty years ago and it's infected, and you hadn't got out of it. You've seen it there, and it's affected you. It's affected your kids. It's gonna it's gonna affect how they're gonna raise their kids. All this other stuff. You've messed up, man. And so we look at that and we go, well, that's just the way it is for me. That's just the way it is for my family. That's just the way it is for our church. It's just how I'm going to be. No, stand against it. Get out of the snare. Start dealing with the battle. Start standing against the sin in some way. If you can't think of how to do it in every way, at least think of how to do it in any way. And the good thing is, if you want to know steps after that, that's why we have pastors, Right? That's why we have pastors and we've got the word, we've got the spirit, all sorts of things to continue to take steps. But when we stand, one thing we've got to do, stand and face your sin, face where you've messed up, face your problems, admit their problems. I messed up here. I messed up here. Here's my enemy and I can't keep avoiding that. I can't just keep doing good in all these other areas. I've got to deal with this and I know it. I know it's in the spirit's been convicting me of it over and over. Maybe for decades I've been convicted and and I just haven't faced it. Well, now you do. Armor up, stand and face it and stand against it. Recognize it's a problem and take a, take a step in beating that problem. Stand against it. Don't let it continue to manipulate you. Don't let it continue to operate your life. You stand against it. If it's an attitude, if it's actions, whatever it is, you don't give in. If you've, if you've had a problem with the way you talk your entire life and, and you've lost your temper over and over and your kids know you lose your temper, your kids know once a month you really just fly off the handle and they've seen you, they've seen you go off the handle maybe 10 times in their lives and they're thinking, that's, oh, here, here comes dad or here comes mom. There's going to be this moment that's going to happen. You think that's just who they th- see me as. I can't ever fix that. Well, start changing it now. 
Take a step. Admit it's a sin. Admit this can't just be okay with this. Take one step to change it. And then another and another, but stand against it in some way. Stand, face your sin, stand against your sin, and then be confident in the battle. Some of you feel defeated because you've got a wrong view of either God or yourself. You don't have faith in the Lord. You don't have faith that you can actually change who you are. You don't have faith that you can change your future. You don't have faith that you can change your life or your children's lives or whatever to a thousand generations. You've got no idea how any of that's going to work out. It's just all downhill. You keep messing up and your only hope is that one day you'll die without messing up too much. Listen, have faith in God who promises that if you trust in Him, put your strength in Him, that He be your strength, that He be the one you're standing in. Have faith in His faithfulness, confidence in His strength, and that He's doing these things in you. Don't lose the battle before it ever begins. And some of you have been defeated not because you've got a wrong view of, of God or yourselves. Some of, you, some of you don't just feel defeated, I guess I should say. Some of you have been defeated. You've lost some battles. But that's because you keep losing and you keep losing and you keep losing because you're not putting on the armor. You're not doing all the things. That, you're trying to stand, but without all the prerequisites. Do you remember, you remember this, I have nightmares about college still. Uh, you remember how you have to have these prerequisites to take these certain classes. You're trying to stand, but you're, you're not, you're trying to face this evil and deal with it, but you're not, your strength isn't in the Lord. You're not trusting in the armor he's given you. You don't know why you think you should be able to beat the devil. You are basically a son of Sceva trying to address your sinful problems. And you end up, at the end of it, being naked and wounded and wondering where'd this go wrong. And so since you've lost and lost and lost and lost, you have quit fighting. And some of you need to be confident in the battle, but not confident in you. You need to realize I've lost this battle because I've been fighting it all wrong. Either I haven't been fighting it and I've just been looking at it and saying, God, please don't let the consequences be that bad. I've just lost this battle. Then I know, I know it might affect me. I know it might affect my kids. I know all this. But please just don't let it affect us too bad. And maybe we'll just get through this. And but I, mean, I, can't, I can't really be faithful. But, and some of you are like, hey, I'm, I'm just, I've just lost. So I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to stand. I don't even know how to stand. I tried to stand one time and I got knocked down. I tried to stand again and I got knocked down. Because you're not standing in the right things. Your confidence isn't in the Lord. Your confidence isn't what he's given you. But Christian, take all that we've learned, all that we've learned about who we're fighting and how to think about the war, how to think about the battles. And what does the Lord then tell you to do after giving you all that? He tells you to stand, which would be crazy if he weren't the one telling you to do it. If you can see the evil that we're coming against and what it's doing and how it's going to do it, and you think, yeah, I got that. Unless you're thinking, I got that because the Lord's got me, you're crazy. But the Lord does come to you. And he says, stand, stand in my strength and stand in my armor. But remember those things and stand. Let's pray. Just take a moment right now. Uh, we said that all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. 
the Lord is going to hold us accountable to that promise, to those words. The Lord has told us to stand and face our enemy, to stand toward it. Is there a sin that you know, a way that the evil one is bringing a battle against you and you are not fighting it, you're not facing it? You know it, you know that temptation, you know what you struggle with, you know what you failed in or what the evil one is trying to get you to fail in, he's trying to get you to think things or he's already gotten you to do them. What sin do you need to stand and face right now and just tell the Lord, Lord, this was a sin. Here's my temptation. Here's where the evil one's bringing the attack. Father, help me. Help me. Help me to stand and then stand against that. What, what problem do you need to face? Then what do you need to stand against? You've admitted that it's a sin. You know it's a sin now. What do you need to do to stand against that sin? Maybe you can think of a hundred things you can do. Great. Start doing those hundred things. Maybe you can only think of one thing to do. One thing to do. But do that. Stand against the snare that the evil one brought in you. I don't care if he brought this snare 20 years ago and you're still dealing with the consequences. Stand against it somehow. In some way. But you've got God and you've got his armor. So stand. Stand in confidence in Him and in confidence in what He's given you. Be confident. Be confident in the battle. Stand. Father, we come to you today. And Lord, we know we could not stand. There's no way, Father. No way we could stand against these spiritual forces that we are against. No way we could stand against the evil one and, and him prowling and trying to look for opportunities. All these settings. There's no way we could stand against that on our own. And yet you tell us. You tell us to do that very thing because of who you are. That if we're strong in you and in the strength of your might and we put on your armor, the armor that has been delivering us from evil since the beginning, the armor that you put on to crush injustice and unrighteousness, you give to your children so that we might crush it in our lives. Help us to stand with that confidence, to stand and face our enemy, and to stand against him. Because this armor has never lost, and it never will. Help us to stand. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.